Well, you made it through Christmas and you're here. You're sitting down on the couch and we're doing this a little bit differently today. And I'm so glad that you've joined us. We're going to talk today about Christmas and the gift uh, that is Christmas, the gift that is Jesus. And uh, at Christmas time, we are all looking for the gift, right? We're looking for the gift. Uh, some of us are great at giving gifts and, and you were done way in advance. Uh, some of you were up to the very last moment. I was in Walgreens the other day and I was checking out and I was just making some conversation with the, the guy that was checking me out. And I said, hey, how, how's business right now? And he said, oh, he said, it's starting to pick up. He said, but you won't believe it. Uh, on Christmas Eve, it's our busiest day of the year. And I asked him, I said, why is it your busiest day of the year? And he said, you won't believe the number of people who wait to the last minute. And I said, well, I guess the only thing that's open is Walgreens. So some of you that went to Walgreens, uh, way to go. You made it through. Um, we're so glad about that. And uh, hopefully everything turned out for you. But I'm just so glad you're joining us today. Well, uh, we're talking about seeking the gift and the gift is Jesus, and uh, the honest truth about it is that we are all looking at Christmas time. We're all looking all the time, but at Christmas time, that looking is heightened. And uh, I think there are at least three things that we're always looking for. We're always looking for hope. We all want a better tomorrow than today or yesterday. We're all looking for hope. We're all looking for peace. We all wrestle at levels with inner turmoil, with our own world, with our thought world, with our emotional world with uh, how we see ourselves. We all rest with inner, wrestle with interpersonal turmoil. If things aren't working out with someone that's key in our life, there's a, a lack of peace in our life. Uh, we're facing outer turmoil. Things are not working around us. And you could probably argue that 2020 is a time when all three of those kinds of turmoil have collided in a very, very unique way. Uh, but we're all looking for peace. And we're all looking for acceptance. Uh, we're all wanting answers to questions like, who loves me? Where am I welcome? Who do I belong to? I, I think the, the, the looking for hope, the looking for peace, the looking for acceptance are the common aches that we are all heir to. You, you have those aches. Your neighbor has those aches. Your boss has those aches. Everybody that you know has those aches. Everybody is looking for something. And very honestly, we look for that hope. We look for that peace. We look for that acceptance everywhere. Some of us go to work and we think that in succeeding, we'll find those things. Some of us go to school and we think that if we get good grades or we get into a good school or we get into a good graduate school, then we'll find it. Some of us go to a place like a bar so we can escape. Some of us go to a relationship because we think that connection and closeness with someone else is what's going to provide those things for us. I just want to tell you that this is normal. All of life is a search and all of us are seekers. And sometimes when we're seeking, we don't care what it comes with. We don't care that as we're trying to find hope and peace and acceptance, uh, that it might come with baggage because very honestly, and it's heightened at Christmas time because the ache is so strong. And so we're willing to deal with some baggage, some baggage of hurt or some baggage of addiction or some baggage of consequences or baggage of breaking things in our life. And, and here's what I have found about myself 
what I've found about people as a pastor now for a, a couple of decades is that when we're all looking, here, here's what we're all looking for. We're looking for the smile. We're looking for the smile. What do I mean by the smile? The psalmist has this beautiful phrase that gets repeated in several of the psalms. It says, Lord, uh, would you let your face shine upon us? That's not biblical language for some uh, mysterious way of understanding God. That's biblical language for God smiling. Because when, when someone sees you and their face lights up, they smile. And we're all seeking in some form. We're all looking in some form for the smile. I... um, not uh, a few years ago, I, we had a, a special guest that came on a Sunday morning to speak. It was a, a, a gentleman who had pastored in Colombia, and he spoke very broken English. And uh, it was a very, very large church, several thousand people. And, and he was chased out of Colombia because of the drug lords. And it's just an, an amazing, amazing story of how God cared for him and saved his life. And, and um, he was pastoring a church not far from us, a Hispanic-speaking church. And so we had him over to tell his story. And his eldest son, who spoke fluent English, came over and was his translator. And then we took them out after lunch and we, uh, we went to uh, lunch. And we're sitting there at lunch and we're eating and I'm down talking to uh, that pastor and his wife and they spoke enough English that we could have a conversation. So we're sitting down, it's a patio, it's the summertime and we're sitting outside and, and their son was sitting down at the other end of the table. So there's about 10 of us there at the table and and um, we talk for a few minutes and then, then he pipes up from the end of the table and he says, hey, you've got some really bright children here. And I, uh, I still vividly remember what I felt. I still remember the look on my face. I got that dumb, sheepish grin of a parent who loves their kids and is proud of their kids. And what I've tried to communicate to my kids is, you have my smile. My face shines when it looks at you. You have my acceptance. You have what you are looking for. And I want to tell you that what you're looking for at Christmas is Jesus. And that's who we're celebrating. So after you find this great gift that you've been looking for, you take that gift and you wrap it so that you can give that gift to someone else. That's kind of the process of Christmas. You know, we find the gift and then we wrap the gift. And honestly, the greater the value of the gift, the more time we spend thinking about the packaging. I know this is not always the case. Uh, my wife's family has this tradition that someone, virtually every Christmas for as long as I've been a part of the family, will receive the dreaded uh, grocery bag gift. And it would, it'll be a gift and it's wrapped in, it feels like a million plastic grocery bags. And so you're opening, 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 opening. And it's funny and it's a family thing and, and all of that. But most of the time when you're giving someone a great gift, you spend a lot of time uh, thinking about the packaging. So I went the other day, I was just my daughter and I, and, and I said, hey, what do you want? You want a treat? And so I took her to whatever this chocolate place is called here. And um, I asked for some chocolates and, and they brought the chocolates out. I, I didn't realize how much I was paying for the chocolates, but they put them in this amazing little box and uh, put it in this bag and then charged me an arm and a leg uh, to experience those, uh, those chocolates. Um, if you've ever had an Apple product, this is, a, this is a, a keyboard packaging. They spend a lot of time, and I'm sure a lot of money, on the packaging. In fact, the greater the value, usually the more time gets spent on the packaging. 
first Christmas, though, when Joseph and Mary are there in the, the stable and Mary gives birth to Jesus, the wrapping didn't match the gift. Joseph and Mary had made the trek to Bethlehem because Joseph's family line was from Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the birthplace of King David, and he was from the line of King David. And most historians say that Rome was in a big celebration. It was the 750th anniversary of the the Roman Empire. And then the Caesar, the king, the leader of the Roman Empire, was celebrating his 25th year as the Caesar. And so as a way to celebrate with pomp and circumstance, they asked everyone to go back so they could say, look how big our kingdom is. And that's why Joseph and Mary were there in Bethlehem. And uh, that they were going to then celebrate the Roman Empire with pomp and circumstance befitting a ruler. And, and it's interesting that in the Christmas story that the only hint of great packaging uh, with a great gift never refers to Jesus. It's always the Roman Empire. And it, we've, been, we've been trying to look for gifts that come in the right wrapping, though. Uh, we're so used to gifts always come with a great package, and the better the package, the better the gift, that uh, we sometimes miss out on the Christmas story. So if you're dating someone, you want to make sure that the package that is coming towards you, that what's, what's, uh, what you see and experience uh, is worth your time and energy. Or if you're getting an education, you want to make sure it has the right packaging. It's got the right wrappings around it and the way they talk about it and the way they celebrate that education. Or if you've gone out uh, during the pandemic and you've ordered takeout and you've come home and the, the, the packaging is not closed or something spilling out. I, I was at the grocery store the other day, and one of the great joys of living here in Wichita is Freddy's Hamburgers. And we love Freddy's Hamburgers, and we love their fries, and we love, can I get an amen, Freddy's Fry Sauce. And I was just beside myself the other day in the grocery store when I'm going down the aisle where the ketchup and the mustard are, and I saw Freddy's Fry Sauce in a squeezable bottle, and I said, I gotta have some of that. I got it home, and I'm all excited, and we made some of our own version of fries in the oven, and uh, we, I'm, I'm opening the Freddy sauce, and you know, it's got the little seal, and as I go, I, I realized that the, the package felt a little bloated, if you wanna say, and I, I went to peel that little inner wrapping off, and it had come off already, and the package, that's why I felt the bloating of the package I said, hey, I don't really want anything to do uh, with this package. And, and that's how we are, right? If the packaging is not right, we reject the gift. But what does is, what is the Christmas, what does Luke tell us in Luke chapter 2? How is the gift wrapped? Luke says that Mary took Jesus and wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes, in, basically in rags, and laid him in a manger. A manger. So it's, it's easy to overlook Jesus. Uh, the, the prophet Isaiah said about Jesus, said he had no beauty or majesty that we should be attracted to him. Said he was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. The packaging didn't, didn't match the gift. Now, here's what I've realized. That the packaging Jesus came in, in a humble stable, wrapped in basically rags, this is actually the perfect wrapping for the gift that Jesus is. Because here's how we hear this. We hear this story through Western eyes. We hear this story through, frankly, privileged eyes. And we're used to packaging. We're used to Apple. We're used to expensive chocolates. That's how it's supposed to be. 
and we forget that the majority of the world does not experience that. So if you went to the slums in Delhi, India, or you went to what, they're, what are called the Villa Miseria outside Buenos Aires, or if you went to the favelas, the slums in Rio de Janeiro, I've been to the slums in Rio de Janeiro, the police don't even go into the slums in Rio de Janeiro, the, the, the lines, if you've been in, in, these slums are like this all around the world, the, the electrical lines are all tapped together, people are tapping into plumbing, the, the raw sewage runs down the hill. Or if you've been uh, in, in the Kibera slum outside of Nairobi, Kenya, they say it's the largest slum in the world. They're not used to packaging. In fact, the reason it's dangerous for me as a white privileged male to walk into a place like that is that the packaging that I'm walking in with gives me away. And what I've discovered is when Jesus comes in this humble stable, what it says to the person in the Kibera slum and what it says to the person in Delhi, India and in Villa Miseria and in the favelas in Dona Marta in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, what it says is this is a God you can relate to. This is a God who understands. So I don't want you to miss, I don't want you to miss the gift of Jesus for the wrapping that he came in. I want to give you the words of a song um, that I love. It's called Baby Boy. And this is the, these are the words. I'm going to read this and then we're going to sing another song. We thought you'd come with a crown of gold, a string of pearls and a cashmere robe. We thought you'd clinch an iron fist and rain like fire on politics. But without a sword, no armored guard, common born in mother's arms, the government now rests upon the shoulders of this baby son. Looked for the gift and you've wrapped the gift. And I want, what I want to tell you on December the 27th, two days after Christmas 2020, is that when Mary laid Jesus in the manger she was laying there in that manger a gift for the whole world so I want to tell you just real briefly two ways that Jesus is the gift that our world needs today the first way that Jesus is the gift that our world needs today is that Jesus is peace Uh, it's it's notable that Jesus didn't come on a war horse Jesus came in a baby crib. I've found that if you take the, the toughest looking dude that you can find who uh, in any other setting would always come across like this incredibly tough macho guy. I, I've found that if you give that man a seven pound newborn infant that what you will often see happen is his hardness melt. (laughs) And one of the ways we talk about Jesus is that Jesus is the prince of peace and Jesus coming as a baby when Mary laid that gift for the whole world in the manger, Jesus melts the hardness of our violent world by coming as a baby and he doesn't ask to be defended and he comes vulnerably into our world. And says there's another way, there's the way of peace. I love how the Apostle Paul writes this in his letter to the Christians in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read it to you, we'll put it on the screen as well. Uh, But this is what Paul says, he says, Now in Christ Jesus, in this present moment, you who once were far away have been brought 
near by the blood of Christ. Here's what conflict is about. Conflict is about distance. It's about I'm separated from you by something. And peace, on the other hand, is about proximity. When you're in conflict with someone, you move away from them. When you're at peace with someone, you move toward them. And so Paul goes on and he, in verse 14. He says, for he himself is our, and you see the word there, peace, who has made the two groups one, people who can't get along. That's who Paul's talking about and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his own flesh on the cross, the law, the Old Testament law with its commands and regulations. And listen, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, out of the way we separate ourselves, thus making peace. Because that's our problem, isn't it? Is that you and I can't seem to get along. We cannot solve our own problem, but Jesus does. So Paul goes on and he says, and in one body, his body, to reconcile both of them, you and me, that can't get along, our ways of seeing things, both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came, listen to what, he, listen to what Jesus preached. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. There's a kind of famous story in preacher world that goes like this. It's, it's that there were two, I don't know if it happened, but it's a great story. There are two brothers and they owned some land next to each other and they got themselves into a conflict that they could not get themselves out of. Everyone in the town was distraught because these brothers were stalwarts in the community and so they didn't quite know how things were going to work out when these two brothers were at odds now and their resources were split and one day uh, they woke up and there between separating their properties was a creek and the, the one brother got up and looked out on his his field behind his house and he saw that across the creek a bridge had been built from one side of the creek to the other and he ran and he thought oh my brother is is wanting to make up with me and he built a bridge and so he comes out to his side of the land and his side of the bridge and he's standing there on his side of the bridge and he looks across the bridge and his brother has seen the same thing and is standing on his side of the bridge and and they both start to say at the same time like yeah I can't believe that you built this bridge I'm sorry and they reconciled right then and there but then they this is what they realized is that while they slept a carpenter had come in saw that they were at odds with each other and built a bridge so that they could come together, so that they could have peace. That is Jesus for our world. I don't know another solution to the the division. I don't know another solution to the animosity other than the carpenter who comes and puts the wood down so that we can be at peace with God and with ourselves and with each other. Jesus is peace. He's, that's the first gift that Jesus is that our world needs today. Second one is this, is Jesus is salvation. So the name Jesus is, uh, if you know this, is from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means God saves. 
In fact, when the angel comes to Joseph, he says, Joseph, you're going to give him the name Yeshua because he, God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, what does that mean when you save someone from their sins? Does that mean you, 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 you get them to stop doing the naughty list? No, no. What, what, what that means is, and, and uh, there is a, an element of that, but that's not the heart of it. What that means is that when you're saved from your sins, that means you're saved from yourself. It means you're saved from your patterns and your problems and your difficulties that you don't know how to overcome, that you've gotten yourself into. Because see, listen, it's my decisions and my prejudices and my issues and your decisions and your prejudices and your issues that keep us apart. It's, it's my sins, it's your sins that keep us apart and keep us from God and from each other and from the world. And Jesus comes to save us from ourselves. The world cannot save itself. Tom Holland is a scholar. I, he's not a Christian. He wrote a, a very dense book. I like reading thick books at, oftentimes. And he wrote a book. It's about this, about this thick. And it's called Dominion. And he's a historian. And what he does is he traces how Christianity gave to the world the world that we have today, where we care about the poor and we have human rights and we love people that are weak and we don't destroy them. What Tom Holland does, not a Christian, is he says, listen, we have no other explanation. And he walks through the history of different cultures, the Roman Empire, the Greek Empire, and all the Viking culture, just every human culture that you can think of on planet Earth. And he just says, listen, we would not be this way if it, not, if it were not for the message of Jesus. The culture that we live in would not be this way. And, and so it's a very, it's, it's a scholarly work and, and people have read it and commented on it. And I, I read the comments of, uh, it's a really fascinating book, really well written. And uh, one of the, the people who commented on it is just a, an, an avowed atheist. And he said, listen, Tom Holland's right. Um, and he basically throws his arms up in the air and he says, I don't know what we do to make sure that we still have human rights and we still care for the vulnerable. We ought to do that, but I don't know what we do because he had no resources, right? He had no way and he admits it. He said, I have no way of saying how this is going to work. Well, I got to tell you, I'll tell you how it works. Jesus is the salvation of the world. He's the salvation that you need. He's the salvation that I need. He's the salvation that the world at large needs. The world at large needs. He, he's the one who will save us from our sins. He will save us from ourselves. The message of Christmas is that the world needs a savior and it is Jesus. Let me end with this and then we'll sing another song. John chapter 3, verse 17, verse 16, I think you probably know Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus, a religious leader. He's trying to explain to Nicodemus how God works, how God's spirit works. And he says, listen, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We, we, it's John three sixteen. John 3, 17 is, I think, the message of Christmas and the message I want to leave with you here on December the 27th, 2020. This is what Jesus says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this has been a bit different. It's been a, a unique experience. Uh, we are back on next week in-person worship services. We're starting a new series called Aspire. 
I'd love for you to invite three friends, send them a text message and invite them to join you. Be a part of that. We're going to be looking back on the year uh, to kick off uh, the first Sunday in January. Love to see you. But as you go today, there in your room, there on your couch, wherever you might be, let me just leave you with a blessing. And we're in the habit, those of you who are joining us maybe for the first time, we hold out our hands, uh, most of us, and just as a way to say, I'd like to receive that blessing. And let me leave you with this blessing as you go today. You are sent to know the Christ of Christmas who can save you from yourself, <laughs> who has peace to give to you in your current situation. You're sent now to love that God, to love the people who are created in his image and serve them in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us. Love you. See you next week. Thought you'd come with a crown of gold, a string of pearls, a cashmere robe. We thought you'd clinch an iron fist and rain like fire on the politics. Without a sword, no armored guard. Oh